With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian, with me as always is Chris. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast switcheroo last week. Everybody seemed to have fun doing different shows, and so, uh, you know, that was fun. But I'm glad we're back together tonight, Chris, because I don't know who else I could sufficiently be this frustrated around. Um, (laughs) Uh, Likewise. Thank you. Uh, The Mets have been... A really frustrating team this whole season. But this past week is like the perfect encapsulation of that. You know, um, three walk-off losses to the Giants. Multiple bullpen fuck-ups between that series and uh, tonight against the Padres. It just looks like whenever this team gives you a reason to hope, it dashes it quickly. Am I being overly glum about this or do you feel similarly no no i'm i'm in the same boat i think going into last week uh linda and i had both been thinking along those lines and then they won four games in a row uh just you know the afternoon that uh, they finished that relatively short winning streak mm-hmm. uh it was the same night that we recorded so it kind of gave you this little jolt of okay look it's ridiculous to actually think that something good could happen but They've done they've done this thing, and hey, if they keep that up for a few more games, uh, ironically, what the Giants have done in the last few weeks, 
has been basically exactly what the Mets would have needed to do. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. It's it's just kind of bottoming out for me. This, you know, I'm still paying attention, still still uh, running Amazing Avenue. Uh, you know, all of those things. So it's not like I've completely checked out, but emotionally, it's just sort of like, okay, you know, where am I going to find? Uh, what what gets me hooked? Because in in a certain way we're spoiled. We know Peter Alonso and Jeff McNeil are awesome and and uh, doing awesome things in their first either their first season or first full season, depending on which one you're talking about. But right. there isn't like Anthony Kay if he pitches in the majors this year is going to feel kind of forced. I mean, maybe it'll go really well and that'll be sort of another thing to to get into but it's just like yeah i mean they're not i think we gave enough uh caveats last week when we were even talking about the four game winning streak but they're not getting back into this i mean they've fallen even farther out they've seen other teams like the giants you know go up in a way that they're not capable of so yeah (laughs) yeah that's uh that sums it up pretty nicely. I do want to highlight a couple of just fun things that have happened in the last week because one of the joys of baseball is that I think I think during the NFL season, if your team is having a miserable season, there are far less moments of joy that can be gleaned from a miserable season than there can be in baseball. Like, it would be very rare for a, a player on a, a football team to have a night like Robbie Cano had last night. Yeah. Uh, usually if that happens in a football team season something better happens in the season than what the Mets are going to go through this year and so Robinson Cano hit three home runs last night making him the oldest ever second baseman to do that first met to do it since I believe Yohanna Cespedes did it um am I correct about that or was there somebody in between yeah yeah he had the three home run game I think yeah that had to be more reason than the new and highest right did they even overlap I don't think they did. So, yeah, I, I think Cespedes is the most recent. Oh, no, they did overlap maybe a little. Uh-uh. Well, we New Cespedes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't remember when the New Heist one was, but it was – he he was on the Mets for some of 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it might have been 2014 when he did it. So I'll, I'll just go with that. Yeah, Cespedes. All right. Well, regardless, he hit three home <laughs> runs. It was really cool to see. I know that you in particular have been a guy who was who was not entirely sold on the Cano is washed up train. I mean, I don't think I don't think I was either, but I feel like you were especially defiant. You, know, you of the I defend players over thirty reputation. Uh, yes, you know I think that. Defending Robbie Cano is, is right up your alley. And so I'm, I'm going to let you gush about this for a minute. How cool was it seeing Cano hit three home runs last night? Uh, it was very cool. And the way he did it, too. The, it, they were all impressive, and the third one was particularly <laughs> just like, oh, okay, he just destroyed that ball. Um, yeah, and it's I've always liked him, <clears throat> even when he was a Yankee. And it might have been a little contrarian or whatever, but – he was underappreciated by some Yankee fans, I think, when he was on 
their team, and he was awesome. So that might have helped sort of boost his profile for me, playing for a team that I don't root for. Sure. Uh, and, and actively root against sometimes. Um, but, yeah, it, it's sort of like if you just took healthy David Wright, relatively healthy David Wright. Say he's still playing through his contract, has gone from being great, you know, one of the best players in the game to uh, very good. And that's fine. And if he comes into a season and he spends some time on the injured list and he's hitting the hand by a few pitches and he's got 200, I think it was 240, somewhere around there, played appearances that Cano actually had in the first half and they weren't any good, I would be just as adamant about defending that and saying, hey, he's he's not toast. Um, I think the number of plate appearances that Curtis Granderson had was was less than what Cano had this year uh, in his first half mm-hmm. when Granderson had that season where he got off to an ice-cold start and then was awesome for the rest of the year. Uh, but yeah, that sort of thing, the, the better the player has been, the less likely he is to completely deteriorate. And Right. The Jason Bays of the world are few and far between. Yeah. And, and Jason Bay had a, a pretty good track record, but he didn't have Cano's, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah. It was, it was awesome to see. Uh, I work not too far from Cano's barbershop. I've, I've never seen him there. Uh, our schedules probably don't overlap <laughs> very much. <laughs> but uh, the same barbershop that has the barber that uh, I think it was the Times wrote about uh, who, when Cano was playing in Seattle, was traveling out there specifically just to do his job mm. with Cano and, and company out there. But um, but yeah, there was the sort of thing I walked by there today and there was just this sort of like, ah. You know, this is a spot that I associate with him because of that story. And uh, I don't know, kind of had like, a, all right, Robbie Cano, you know, without without actually saying anything to anybody, but just uh, walking by and being like, oh, yeah, that a was pretty sh- cool. A shared vibe was had by all. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd like to think. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh Yeah. That was something that was fun that happened, and, uh, you know, I- I'm sure there will be other moments like that throughout the season, especially with guys like McNeil, Conforto, Alonso, DeGrom, but, you know, we-, we have to be realistic here. The trade deadline is less than a week away from the time you're hearing this, and it looks like the Mets are going to be sellers, and that is a good thing, I think, uh, well, I-, I feel it's a good thing almost no matter what. But everything will depend, of course, on what the returns are for the various players. So, you know, some of the names we've seen thrown out there are um, obviously Zach Wheeler. We've seen Jason Vargas's name mentioned, Todd Frazier's name. Uh, today, MLB.com published a piece about how the Mets will be open to trading Edwin Diaz if the price was right. Um, I know that we're not the type of guys who are going to root for a complete teardown, especially when there is so much sustainable young, affordable talent here, but what level of selling do you expect the Mets to to undertake in the next week, Chris? Uh, 
I guess the expectation is just sort of the simple Vargas, Wheeler, Frazier uh, variety. Guys who are on contracts that are set to expire at the end of the season. Not the biggest returns in the world, but uh, and with Vargas, should be noted, there is a team option there. So if some team thinks that he can kind of fill a role for them uh, going down the stretch this year as they try to contend and give them a, a starter who can be their fifth guy going into next year, then okay. Yeah, I, obviously, I'm not expecting that to be a significant return, but maybe it's slightly better because they can have him uh, for a little bit longer. I wouldn't necessarily view that as a asset. Uh, but, right. Yeah, an extra year of Jason Vargas is punishment for shoplifting in some countries. <laughs> but, but yeah, I I kind of think that's all it's going to be. I know we've heard the things floated that if they get blown away for Diaz, um, if Cindergard uh, Cindergard gets yeah. right, if he gets uh, an offer, or if they get an offer for him, that touches on the level of pitcher that he's traditionally been. And, you know, even tonight against the Padres, he certainly wasn't dominant, but he kind of got through a couple of rough innings and then settled in and certainly didn't have a disastrous start. So you put these last few starts together and you're getting closer to the guy that we've all known for the last few years. So, yeah, I, I just think... I don't think I could see Van Wagenen being that bold now to really go through and trade Syndergaard, maybe trade Conforto. Uh, I, I will say that, and th- I was thinking this before tonight's game, just for the record, uh, but Dom Smith in the outfield isn't something that's going to work long term. And there isn't a DH in the National League and there won't uh, be for a few years, despite what everybody talks about. Right. There's certainly not one now, and there's certainly not one in the imminent future. Uh, and you can't hold on to a guy assuming that that's going to change, or at least you can't right now. If if it gets put into place, and as much as I would hate that, I will say that if it does, the league should make that decision and allow teams three, four, five years so that everybody's on the same, you know, same playing field. Well, didn't uh, they say it wouldn't happen before the 2021 season? That may have been it. But I just think it would be, it would only be fair to all of the National League teams to give them, hey, two or three years from now, that guy you have in the minors who can't play defense but can hit a ball 500 feet. <laughs> Right, you might want to hold on to him, uh, but yeah, it just given the reality, if some team out there wanted Dom Smith and bought into what his stats are for the season, he's certainly cooled off uh, over the last few weeks. But if some team out there wanted to trade something that treated him like the player he is, he's young, he's under control for several more years, he's not making much money, uh, and Despite the recent struggles, he's got good hitting stats this year. You know, um, he's, I would. He's finally shown himself to be 
a capable offensive player and a relatively serviceable first baseman. Right. Yeah. So, but even with him, I'd, I'd put him with Syndergaard and Conforto where I just don't see them doing it. I, I would say, I guess I'd be less surprised if they did it with Smith. But I just don't know that there's going to be a team out there at the trade deadline right now uh, that they're going to go, oh, okay, yeah, we, we need Dom Smith to help us get to where we're going. Um, I mean, I, to me, if there is a team out there that really wants Smith, they probably know it's not going to take that much to get him. And they're probably going to take their time to try and acquire him because there's likely not a big market for him out there. So he doesn't strike me as a mid-season trade. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I I guess it's just not it's not a bold prediction by me by any means to say that I don't expect a bold move at the deadline by them. <laughs> and honestly, I'd I'd be relatively okay with that. I don't think they have to trade Syndergaard. I don't think they have to trade Conforto. Uh, it's it sucks to be in a situation where you're perpetually balancing. Uh, as a fan, you just want them to build the best team they can, and then sometimes people will go, "Well, yeah, but the Wilpons aren't going to do that." So. I think this should happen. Like, I feel like anytime anybody makes that concession, they should be explicit about it and say the Mets should trade Syndergaard for, uh, for a haul, but they should trade him for that because the Wilpons aren't going to spend money to get the kind of players that they need. And same thing with Conforto. Smith is a little bit less in that boat. It's right. just there's nowhere to play him in the National League when you have Pete Alonso. Right. Now, I Conforto's an interesting name because Conforto is the longest tenured of the young players. Conforto is the only one repped by Scott Boris. And Conforto is showing more and more, including tonight's game, that he is not a center fielder. If If an offer came in for Conforto, how likely would would you be to listen to it if you were if you were in Van Wagenen's shoes? Would you be would you be more protective of Conforto than I would be, or would and and I'm not going to trade him to the first person who asks. Don't get me wrong, but I think all of those all of those things I just mentioned play into the fact that he's probably not as likely to be a long term Met as some of the other young players. So would you be more likely to listen to an offer on him, or do you think that trading Conforto is a foolish move at this point? If there was any kind of concrete update, if Brandon Nimmo was playing games of any kind, uh, if I felt a little more confident about his long-term health, I maybe I'd feel differently, but I'm, I'm not sure that I even... Under those circumstances, I would. I just, uh, I agree with Rich, who, who wrote the piece on the site recently, uh, saying he's Conforto isn't underrated, 
I mean, overrated. Sorry. Right. Isn't mm-hmm. isn't overrated. And not that you're saying he is, uh, but it's just he feels underappreciated. Oh, I, I agree with that completely. By my I just don't, I just don't know who else you can trade to get the haul you'd want slash who's the guy you can trade that you probably have the lowest chance of retaining in some other way. Right, right. Yeah. I have one of the big questions that's been coming up uh, on the broadcast, on Mets Twitter, on wherever you, you know, like to read about the Mets, hopefully you know, Amazing Avenue. It would be great if somebody was like, oh, I love the podcast, but I hate the site. <laughs> I don't read. I'd listen to them, but I don't read them. Uh, <laughs> you see, I'm illiterate. And so, yeah. Uh... <laughs> If only Charlie Day were a Mets fan, <laughs> then we, 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 would, we would be for him. Uh, hold on. I had a point, and I thought it was a good one. Um, oh, uh, right. So a thing that's been talked about, uh, the most common place to hear about it is, is Gary Cohn brings it up. How do you make this team's defense better? And one possible answer to that is just, trading players who are out of position or trading players where you have perhaps an abundance. Um, if, if they went down that road and they traded Conforto and next year Cespedes and Nimmo play full healthy seasons, then okay, that works itself out nicely, but they're not, uh, there's no way anybody could be certain about, either of them playing significant amount of time. So, uh, yeah, I just, and it's funny as much as we've talked about depth and the lack of it and all that this year, the outfield still doesn't have a guy waiting in double or triple a who's there's literally nobody there <laughs> playing the outfield who you go, Oh, okay. That guy might, right. He, he might get called up. He might make a difference. And before Conforto was called up, there was so much conversation about the right time to do it and all of that. And uh, I can't remember the last time we had a conversation about an outfielder when it wasn't Conforto. Like he, yeah, was the, right? he was the last, he was the last outfield prospect really. I mean, Nimmo, you know, Nimmo predates him. McNeil mm-hmm. was not an outfield prospect. Smith was not an outfield prospect. Right? I mean, it was Conforto and, uh, gosh, Matt Dendecker? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. But, yeah, it's ugly beyond that major league level. So it would really have to be something that I felt comfortable with, especially at a time when the Carlos Gomez experiment was short. Juan Lagares is just Juan Lagares is at a point that this winter, if Curtis freaking Granderson got a minor league invite to spring training this year, Juan Lagares is not beating that this winter in in free agency. Right? Is he a, uh, is he a free agent this winter, or is he a one yeah. year? Yeah, yeah, no, no. This is, I mean, unless they want to pick up the option for like 10, 12, 11, somewhere in that, somewhere in that range. But yeah, this is it. Uh, he will be a free agent. 
It's the 2020 option is for nine and a half million. Sorry, I was close. Yeah, that, that uh, still wasn't getting picked up. <laughs> no, 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 no. And it's a five hundred thousand dollar buyout, so the Mets could probably afford that. And we hope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it's just weird to be like it wasn't that long ago that you were maybe playing Cespedes in center or Conforto in center because you really did have so many good outfield options. And all of a sudden, it's not like they've got some great outfielder who's sitting on the bench just so they can do this Dom Smith thing to get him playing time and put him in the outfield and see what happens. It That's not the case at all. I mean, the only guy I'm looking at on the roster who I would want – who's in who's on the active roster right now who i would say next year i want that guy starting the outfield every day for the mets is conforto because i assume mcneil moves back to the infield and he's handled himself relatively well in the outfield but I'd, i'd still assume he moves back in probably to third base uh i have two words for you chris and that's jed lowry oh he i i will give cespedes I mean, maybe it's because I love him. Uh, I will give Cespedes higher odds of playing a game in a Mets uniform <laughs> than Lowry. Oh, man. We need to get a bookie on this show to give us some real odds yeah. on, on those two things. That would be fun. I mean, the nice thing with McNeil is that you could, you know, sort of hide him away in left field. So, yeah, I know he's been playing right recently, but you can you can put him out there and go, all right, that's the one guy who's really playing out of position. But, yeah. So I know this has been a very long answer, but I'm just not comfortable trading Conforto. Um, If I thought the Mets would spend money on top tier free agents, and it's weird as I've looked at that list, I haven't really looked at outfielders that much. But now now that we're having a discussion about it and I'm looking at what they have and what they might not have in a few months, they like they don't have an outfield (laughs) yeah they don't have at least 40 percent of a starting rotation after this year uh they don't have an outfield they don't have a great catching situation and they don't have a good bullpen situation there's a lot of work to do well let's let's discuss that for a second of those places that there is work to do is there one area that you think would be best addressed mid-season Hmm. I don't know. If I felt like they'd get better returns for what they have, maybe. I I actually, and I know it was, uh, I'm not defending it. I'm not. I'll start it that way. But (laughs) (laughs) I I think the concept of what they did a couple years ago when they sold when they brought in all these relievers who were in the minors, uh, at least if you were going to, and they did bring in a couple other guys, but Kilome had Tommy John surgery. So he's been on the shelf for this whole season next year. Maybe he emerges into uh, somewhat of significance, but of the positions, if you're going to get below average prospect, I didn't think it was a terrible idea 
under the circumstances of uh, not eating money on, on the contracts that you're getting rid of and kind of working with the best you can, relievers seem so random that I didn't think exactly. it was the end of the world to do that. So if they do that again now, people will complain about it constantly. But it might not work. It probably won't work. But if you're going to get that kind of guy, I feel like a relief pitcher or a pitcher in general is a little more likely to kind of go from unexciting to, oh, hey, he figured out this pitch and now all of a sudden it clicked. Um, as opposed to any position player who's on that same level. And this is totally anecdotal, but I feel like you hear the narrative, so-and-so joined X organization, and the new pitching coach showed him a new grip, and now his slider is 20% better. You hear that more frequently than so-and-so joined a new organization, and the hitting coach found the heretofore unseen hitch in his swing and corrected it, and now his swing is much better. I know both happen, but it seems like the pitching one happens more frequently. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, it does seem that way. And it logically makes sense. Sure. You can you can only throw as hard as you can throw. But for each individual pitcher, given that limitation, whatever it is, um, you can hold the ball infinite different ways and do different things as you are throwing and releasing it. it I just feel like... You could tweak a swing a lot, but there are certain things like eye and uh, bat speed and, and everything, just things that you either have or you don't. Right. So with a pitcher, you can sometimes figure out a way to make it work with what that pitcher has. So, yeah, they, I, they're all they, it's a lottery ticket kind of situation, but I would still lean toward pitching. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I also think that you might be able to, even if you don't get a fantastic return, which no one's expecting that you get, I feel like if you were to get, you know, three to four mid-level pitching prospects, or or even low-level pitching prospects, not only are the chances of it working out slightly better, not only is the not only are you able to trade in volume in a little bit more of a... You're more likely to get two or three relief pitching prospects than you are two or three uh, offensive prospects at any, at any position on the diamond because there are just so many relievers in around baseball. But also, you might have a chance of seeing results from it this year right away. Uh, and I think that there's something to be said for this team not having miserable games for the rest of the season. And if they get a decent bullpen, there might be some more fun, exciting games. And that that's good for everybody. That is a good thing for Mets, for the Mets, for their fans, etc. And if you're taking a flyer on a guy who might be a bullpen piece, there's much more of a history of guys coming up straight from AA or from very limited AAA usage to being, you know, the mop-up guy for a major league team than it is to find a guy from AA who plays third base to try and call him up all of a sudden. Does that make sense? I rambled there for a bit, but I think you have more immediate success possibilities with the bullpen as well. Yeah, 
it makes sense to me. So, you know, we'll see how they how they do it. Um, hopefully, they at least make trades. I would much rather be in a spot where they're free of Jason Vargas and uh, and I, I like Zach Wheeler. I, I wouldn't rule out him returning if they trade him away and he hits free agency. Um, whether or not that's the best decision, we'll figure that out when we get closer to that. But I'd at least like to see them do something. Uh, I, I don't expect them to go, oh, okay, we saved uh, $7.4 million by trading these guys and we're going to put all that into 2020 payroll. So it's not that, but it's just, I don't know. I In Wheeler's case, the qualifying offer doesn't really make sense to me. I think it's too high of a salary for him to turn down. So then you're just going to guarantee him a, a, a higher salary. And if he got it, hey, good for him. But I don't know. It, it doesn't have a ton of appeal. So... It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I, I do think that in a in a slightly different world, Wheeler is Wheeler is one of the more attractive players on the on the trade docket this week. But this season has really not been pleasant for him in terms of building up trade value. Um, and he's been so inconsistent. It's just hard to see them getting a ton of return for him, even though right. they probably should. Yeah, and it, it would help if he had been 75% as good as his second half last year. Maybe even 50%, but let's just say 75. That's really, really good. Yep. I mean, he had that run of being among... Whoops! He had that run of being run of being among uh, Easy for you one of say. the better pit- pitchers in the league over the last two and a half months, three months of the year. So he didn't have to be that, but high fours, ERA, missing a little time with shoulder fatigue. It doesn't exactly set things up as well as you would like. No. Um. It seems like Wheeler is the one player of the ones that we've mentioned so far with Vargas and uh, Frazier that likely could return to the Mets that might make sense for a lo- as a long-term solution if they had tried to sign him in spring training. 
I don't think anybody would have necessarily had a problem with that uh, move. Is there any chance that Todd Frazier, who's the one player who probably has zero chance of being a Met next season, is there any chance he doesn't get traded? Or the Mets take anything for him at this point? I would think anything. And nothing against him, just... Whether it's Jen Lowry or McNeil, uh, it definitely won't be Anthony Rendon. But <laughs> whatever they're thinking for next year, I am sure it doesn't involve him. And through no fault of his own, uh, obviously, if he had been an amazing player for the last couple of years, then things would be different. But he was himself. He's He's pretty much been the guy they signed. Maybe a little bit lower than what you would have expected, but within the range you know so yeah. i i think he's uh yeah he's gone is there anybody else that you think there's an outside chance they trade would they possibly trade edwin diaz i mean i'd be shocked so i'll i'll say no it just seems to me like you can't undo your off-season acquisition that quickly and still save face Especially not for a, a brand new GM. And giving yeah. up Kalanick for him. Right. Who may or may not turn into anything, but yes. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I think that this is this is sort of the similar situation to the Dom Smith situation, where because Dom, Dom Smith was a first-round draft pick, he got far more chances than he probably should have. Even though he's he's making it look good now, and, I, and I'm not knocking Dom Smith, but Smith's performance early on in his career was was not very good, and you got the feeling if he was a second round or a lower draft pick, no one would have really cared, and he would have been released a number of years ago. But because of the uh, the sort of marquee nature of his acquisition, you have to stick with Dom Smith until he figures it out or really falls apart. And I think it's kind of the same thing with, with Diaz at this point, because if you're going to make that big trade in the offseason, you can't let half a season of of less than you'd expect really really affect your opinion. At least I think that would be silly. Yeah, I get that. And He's, even if you got that kind of return that is – what he should warrant. I I feel like one of the things that you start banging your head against the wall with when you're paying attention to baseball, uh, I think through the lens of Amazing Avenue, uh, not just us, but when you're looking at it from that standpoint of trying to be objective, trying to understand as much as you can about the game and always keep things in perspective and everything. Uh, a half season shouldn't doom anybody. And with Wheeler, a half season shouldn't anoint him an ace. It's just we've seen it so many times. And you balance this emotional like, oh, yeah, but but this it's happening. This thing's happening. I, You know, Robinson Cano is, has been bad in the first half. I can't I can't get my emotional side to calm down and, and be rational and say, Hey, yeah, he's 36, but he might be just fine. 
he might improve. I don't think this is who he is. Or with Wheeler, and I think it's a lot easier to do it when a guy's doing well, you can go, okay, uh, I know he's got the injury history and everything, but wow, look at what he did. And <clears throat> the thing I come back to, uh, Dylan G, for a calendar year, was healthy and had an ERA, I think, under three. If it wasn't, it was close, but it was it was damn good. And it was something like 28 starts or somewhere around there where it was just over that span of time, J- Dylan G was a really, really good pitcher. But I, uh, as nice of a guy as he was uh, in, in Port St. Lucie, and he didn't do anything to make you root against him, it just didn't seem like it was real. So, yeah. Edwin Diaz, for half a season, having an ERA that's, uh, that's too high is not a reason to uh, to make him less valuable. So I think front offices would probably still approach that. I mean, I'm sure they would try their best to get a discount from the Mets because of that. But, yeah, I just don't see Van Wagen and being willing to do that and unless it was something totally ridiculous where one of the big contending teams that has a really really good shot at winning the world series had their two best relievers get injured over the course of the next week right and then they go hey we're we, we need to go for it this year we know this is more expensive than we'd like but let's go uh, we we need this uh and the odds of that happening now with days remaining until the deadline are pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that you remove Diaz and that bullpen gets so much worse that, I mean, I got to tell you, man, I, I'm already not going to as many games I hope to this season because the team's been bad. But yeah. If the bullpen gets much worse. I don't know how many more I'm going to get to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Any other trade deadline thoughts before we get into our music picks? Uh, no, I was <laughs> there was part of me uh, that I it was like, yeah, can we talk about the Mets for five minutes and music for forty five? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 game. <laughs> All right, what is your music pick for this week, Chris? So sticking with uh, the theme, and I'm sorry, last week. It, it was my fault that we did not have music recommendations. Uh, maybe we can get one retroactively from Linda at some point. Uh, but that was on me. We we changed things up, and I was so focused on the four-game winning streak <laughs> that I forgot to do that. So to anybody who is listening uh, in hopes of hearing that, I apologize. With that said, the this will be my third one in a row that's related to Solid Sound. Um, it was Wilco and then it was Wand and tonight uh, it's somebody else who I saw at Solid Sound for the first time and he just blew me away he and his band blew me away uh, the music's a it, it, it's its own style uh, it's a traditional style so it's Mdu Mokhtar is his name uh, he's from Niger he plays guitar left-handed. <laughs> he shreds. 
And it's a combination of if you're thinking of other things that you've listened to before, um, there's definitely some blues in it. There's certainly some like psychedelic rock in it. And yeah, he's just a phenomenal guitarist. Uh, luckily, we're going to have chances to see him a, a one or two more times this year. Uh, but yeah, that's that's who I would go with as the the uh, the artist. The album, I will say, it's like a it's a little bit tough to capture what you see live on a record because there are parts of the album that are played quickly uh, that are shorter on the record where they'll play like death metal or the fastest punk rock tempo you can think of <laughs> pace with really complicated and extremely precise uh, execution of, of that complicated music. But yeah, uh, so he put out a record this year called Alana uh, in parentheses, the creator. Um, that's where I would start. And I would say album wise that the, those songs are all songs that we heard. Um, so it's a good place to start. And then the KEXP, uh, video on YouTube and thank goodness for that man, the, the, the live sessions that they have, and I don't no knock on anybody else's, but the ones that they have just, they are a treasure. So they're so well recorded, they're so yeah. well filmed, and they're they're just they always seem to be focusing on what I want them to focus on. If that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, the to stick to our official album recommendation, it would be the one that came out this year, and fully support that recommendation. I there's nothing wrong with it, but to get a sense of it, and if you can't go catch him playing live uh, the KEXP and just literally just Google KEXP and then his name is spelled M-D-O-U uh, and then M-O-C-T-A-R for their, the last name. If you just Google those three things together, it, you'll, you'll find it. It'll be the first thing that comes up. So, <laughs> so yeah, he, he blew me away uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not that old. I'm not jaded. There's tons of new music that I like, but he did something that I was like, "Ooh, I haven't seen that before. I haven't heard that before." And as somebody who's constantly looking for that kind of thing, um, it, it, the next thing that kind of blows you away, it you don't you don't get it that often. So uh, I, this is about as nicely as I can speak about anybody's music. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, so I, I had a pick lined up when we started talking, I, I narrowed it down to, to, to a few things. And then I just realized that I, I, well, little backstory here. So I spent the last two days with my kids at someplace called uh, great wolf lodge, which is a, an indoor water park. And, uh, you know, it's one of the few times that I did not have a phone on me for most of two days because I didn't want to ruin my phone in a chlorine-filled water park. So, um, and also because of that, I had no control of the music I was listening to. You know, I was in a, a big place where there was some music playing, but I couldn't hear a lot of it. So it was it was one of those. It reminded me of being younger and having songs stuck in my head that I couldn't do anything about, that I couldn't address in some way or another. And so, um, a song that kept 
popping in my head today was a song by one of my favorite songwriters, Frank Black of the Pixies fame. Uh, but it's from an album of his called Devil's Workshop, which came out in 2002. And um, he released two albums on the same day in 2002, Devil's Workshop and Black Letter Days. Devil's Workshop is the shorter one, and it's recorded with a slightly smaller ensemble. Um, it's still under the Frank Black and the Catholics title, but there's one less guitar player on every track, although there are other musicians stop by and play on a, a song or two, but it's a slightly smaller uh, lineup, and I think it's the album that initially I was less excited about of the two, but has really aged super well. The song in question that was in my head today was called His Kingly Cave, which is such an incredible song. It's a type of song that I wish I could write, but I never will be able to, because it tells a story relatively straightforward, but it does so using language that unless you know what the story is about i think it's hard to really discern it but like once you know it it's clear as day and, and the story goes that when he was a young man he went to graceland with his then girlfriend and they thought it'd be funny to take mushrooms before going to graceland <laughs> and it, it did not turn out very well and so it's it's like a it's a story about him having a bad trip in graceland man um, yeah i went there as a kid uh, right, truly as a kid. Uh-huh. Sorry. Or wait, actually, no. Did I actually go there? Mm, nope. Never mind. <laughs> Mixing up my historical music things. I was close, but didn't go. But um, just looking at the website of Graceland. Yeah, I can see that coming poorly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, so that there's that song on the record. There's a song called The Modern Age. Which there's like ten songs called "The Modern Age" by different bands, but this one is a really funny conceit where like in it somebody from like uh, essentially like the the medieval ages interacts with somebody from now and they each ask each other where where are you from and they both say the modern age because we're we're <laughs> all living in our own modern age and it's kind of a cool uh, lyrical trick. Uh, it's just a really really solid album. Uh, some really great guitar playing on it. And some really great guitar tones on it. The that song, his his kingly cave, has an amazing like tremolo lead guitar part. Um, the song called Heloise, based on Heloise and Abelard, which has an incredible like slinky electric guitar part. It's just really really great album, and it's over in like th- uh, let me look it up now. Yeah, thirty three minutes, eleven songs. Not a not a clunker in the bunch. Um, and one of my consistently favorite songwriters. And uh, he's just pretty much exclusively doing Pixie stuff nowadays. And, that, and that's fine. That's where the money is. But I really miss Frank Black's solo albums. So I'll give it up for Devil's Workshop by Frank Black and the Catholics from 2002. Nice. I like it. Yeah. I, uh, so now I don't know where I was. <laughs> <laughs> where, where did you think you were? Well, no. So I was thinking of the Grand Ole Opry. Okay. But when I look at that, that I thought, it, I don't know if that was it either, but I thought it was. I don't know. It, Where did it has you, the, what state were you in, Chris? Tennessee. Okay. So, right. Grand Ole Opry is Nashville. Right. But. Graceland is Memphis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was way off. It started with GR. So, <laughs> it started with GR and was vaguely in the South. So, <laughs> so I, mi- I mixed them up, but. I'm looking, I remember like part country music, whatever, and then part amusement park. Are you thinking of Dollywood? Maybe. Dolly Parton's uh, 
please? Opryland. That's what it is. Was an amusement park in suburban Nashville. It operated seasonally from 1972 to 1997. And I was probably there in 1997, honestly. <laughs> okay. Opryland. Never mind me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, but yeah, I think it was. Uh, let's just verify now. I thought it was associated with the Grand Ole Opry or, or, you know, something. Obviously, it has part of the name. It's the same. Um, so, yeah, that's my story. I haven't been in Graceland. <laughs> I, I think I would like to uh, I think I would like to go to Graceland because it seems like it's a crazy place. Um, but I'm not the world's biggest Elvis fan. I, I, I don't I don't dislike Elvis. By any stretch, but I'm just not a huge Elvis guy, and right. so it seems to me like it would be a uh, quite a far trip to take for just for to look at some like cool jumpsuits and whatever. But <laughs> right. if I ever find myself with a day in Memphis with nothing to do, that's what I'll do. Well, uh, thank you for taking your time to listen to our nonsense tonight and every night. We truly appreciate it. Go to AmazingAvenue.com where you can check out lots more Mets-related nonsense, including uh, coverage of the trade deadline. We will be bringing you any and all news when it breaks. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, um, anywhere you get podcasts. You can find us. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us quite a bit. Uh, you can also find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap, and we are out of time. So until next time, let's go Mets.